Over the last year or so, we have been uh, drilling down on what our church is all about, what we're like, what it means to be the church, and uh, so hopefully that's a fun way to, to poke, uh, poke a, a, a little uh, elbow in the ribs as far as some of the ways that we approach that. Uh, I heard a story years ago about a unique kind of jewelry thief. Uh, he broke into jewelry stores uh, after hours, but instead of stealing anything, he just switched the price tags. So things that were really, really uh, valuable, he, uh, he put tags on them for uh, next to nothing, pennies on the dollar. And for things that were just costume jewelry, they were now priced uh, in, the, in the thousands. And then when the store opened the next day, he would go in and purchase what he knew had value but weren't priced that way. And so a lot of people got amazing deals because the prices had been switched while other people spent way too much on things with little value. And I think that that could very well describe the world today. We are spending way too much on things of little or no value and, when th- and things of eternal worth don't have much value at all. Uh, so, so the question is, what do you value? What, uh, what do you hold dear? What is most important to you? Uh, as I said, we spent some time looking at uh, what is church? What is it all about? What are we doing here? Why are we doing it? All those kinds of things. And, and we've told you we live to love people to life. That's, uh, that's who we are. That's what we're all about. That's our, our, uh, our mission as a church. That's our way of saying uh, uh, our mission as a church, that we're here to love people to life. We are uh, in love with God. And because of that, we want to build relationships with other people so that they can fall in love with him too. We live to love people to life. We, we, uh, we exist, we are alive so that we can love people so that we can help them love God, experience that abundant life with God. But why? Why did, why did we make it to that point? Uh, we, we came up with that expression because of what we value because we hold certain things dear, because we value certain things, we want to help other people to do the same. So we believe that there are, there are four essential things that make up who we are as Medina Church of the Nazarene, and, uh, and, and those things will flow in and out of, uh, of all that we do. And this month, we're going to look a little bit at those four things. So go ahead and put that up there. Uh, we value intimate relationship with God. We value investment. See, if you copy all these down, then you can skip church the next three weeks. No, you can't do that. We're going to drill down on these over the next few weeks. Investment in relationships, involvement in ministry, and indulging in laughter. Now, as we met with uh, uh, Mike William, Pastor Mike Williams, who came and kind of helped walk us through this, um, he said, we're the, of all the churches he's worked with uh, and is working with, we're the only ones that came up with the laughter thing. Um, and, but he always knew that when he came to Medina, uh, not only would we cover some good ground and, and get some good work done, but he, we were going to have a good time doing it. And I, I, if you've been around here any, any time at all, uh, you, would, you will know that that characterizes part of who we are. Uh, but those four things, so an intimate relationship with God, uh, investment in relationships, uh, involvement in ministry, and indulging in laughter. So everything that we do as a church will involve one or more of those essential things uh, uh, that are at the core. If, if, if you ever see something that, uh, that, that we're doing that doesn't seem to align with those values, I'm giving you permission to call us on it and to say, hey, that doesn't look like it matches up. And there might be some things along the way that, that come up, maybe opportunities, maybe good things, maybe good things that other churches do, uh, but, but maybe they don't align with uh, one or more of these things. And so we might say, you know what, that's, 
it's good, but it's not what we're going to do right now because we are trying to value uh, these things and let that inform who we are and, and where we're heading. So the first essential value is an intimate relationship with God. And I want to spend just a, uh, well, we've, we've sung about it, we've prayed about it, we've talked about it, we've heard about it uh, all throughout our service today. But I, I, I want to underline and circle and highlight that this morning. The, the emphasis is relationship. This is not about religious activity. Uh, someone might, uh, might say to me when they, when they uh, find out that I'm a pastor, uh, oh, well, I'm not all that religious. And I might respond, well, I'm not either. <laughs> pastor, you're not religious. No, it's not about uh, being religious or doing religious things. Uh, loving people to life isn't about following religious rules and practices, although there are things that we, we do and things that we practice. But fundamentally, it's about a personal relationship with Jesus. I mean, it's, it's all over the Bible from cover to cover, God wanting relationship with humanity. I mean, God has always been pursuing uh, relationship with people. From the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, God walked and talked with Adam and Eve uh, and, and was disappointed when they sinned and they chose to distance themselves from that intimate relationship that he had established. God spoke to and walked with people throughout history, uh, establishing relationships with, with the patriarchs and with the prophets. Uh, Abraham was called God's friend. Moses talked with God face to face. King David was uh, called a man after God's own heart. God even likened his relationship with his people, the Israelites, as a marriage. And when they disobeyed, it was like they were cheating on him. It, it, it's, it's relationship stuff is all the way through scripture. In the New Testament, as we've already he said God sent his only son why because God so loved the world right it's it's about love it's about this relationship it's not about I want you to walk through these religious practices there's something underneath that there's this relationship and God has started it he's the one pursuing us in this relationship Jesus came to reconcile us to God to provide a way for our forgiveness to restore that relationship and when Jesus ascended back into heaven God sent the Holy Spirit as our personal comforter, our guide. Uh, again, it's this relationship with God. And so uh, God has gone to great lengths to pursue a relationship with us. And so at the core of who we are individually and as a church, at the core of who we are is this constant pursuit of a relationship with him. God wants to have an intimate relationship with you. He is pursuing you. If you don't have an intimate relationship with him, it's not his fault. Can we, can we say that again? If you don't have a, it's not that God is withholding himself from you. God is always pursuing you. If you don't have a relationship with him, it's because you're holding yourself back from that relationship. You're choosing other things, not a relationship with God. If you don't have that intimate relationship with him, it's not his fault. We have to pursue him with all we've got. And in light of that, I was drawn this week to a passage, one of my favorite passages in scripture. It's in Philippians chapter three, where the apostle Paul is, is describing his own journey in his relationship with God. He likens it kind of to a, to a, a race, uh, kind of to a, a pursuit of sorts. Um, it's, it's maybe a little bit longer than what we usually look at in, uh, in, uh, on a Sunday morning, but I, I wanted you to, to get the whole deal. Philippians chapter three, beginning in, uh, in, in verse seven and it says this by whatever uh, but whatever were gains to me I now consider loss for the sake of Christ 
What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. My, there's worth there, right? There's value. He's valuing his real, knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Not that I've already attained all this or, 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 or have, have already been made perfect or arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you, only let us live up to what we've already attained." Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have, have as us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that uh, they will be like his glorious body. Man, there's a lot of stuff in there. I mean, how long is this sermon gonna be, right? Well, it's kind of already been preached right there. We could just sit in that for days. I think you can get the impression that, that, that Paul valued his relationship with God. This was the motivating force of his life. Uh, if we boil it all down, we could, we could uh, summarize it this way. There is deep desire there and there is time spent with God. Paul's, that, if I'm looking down through that, he is, he is not, he's desiring a relationship with God. I want to know Christ. I want to know, I'm gonna do whatever, to, forgetting all this other stuff, I'm gonna focus on him. There's this desire, this pursuit And then because of that pursuit, he's spending his time and effort in that pursuit. It's not just that I want to, but that I am. And so there's both desire and time spent with God. I I think that's a formula for for most relationships. Uh, Desire to know each other better and time spent together, that equals a growing relationship. if there's, and it takes, it takes both, right? Uh, there can be desire on one side, but, but not on the other, and a relationship isn't gonna develop. develop. It, it takes two, baby. No, we're not gonna sing that song. There's a desire, uh, and, and that desire, I mean, you see it all the way, I mean, it's, it's just woven all the way through that passage. Paul says, everything is a loss compared to knowing Jesus. I, I want to gain Christ. I'm straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal. I'm eagerly awaiting a savior from heaven. Uh, I mean, there's some pretty intense desire. In order to develop and live out our intimate life with God, it starts with our desire for him. We've got to want it. We sang about uh, hungering and thirsting. That's, that's that desire to know God more. We, we've, we've got to want him. It starts there. 
Paul had that strong desire to know Jesus and, and, and that desire led him then into a growing relationship and, and, and spending the time and effort that was needed in order for that relationship to develop. And that's really how we, how we get to know people. In a, if this is all about a relationship, if we see relationship from cover to cover in scripture, then, then, then we don't treat this as a religion where I'm walking through these, these uh, acts or rituals uh, w- without much meaning. But, but behind all that is, is a relationship. I'm pursuing God. And so because I'm doing that, I, I'm going to spend time with him. We do that in a relationship's with each other, uh, we, we spend time together. And as you do, uh, you, you find common interests, sh- there's shared experiences, you grow closer as you experience life together, you invest your time and your effort in, in relationships and those relationships grow and deepen. Uh, a relation might start out looking good on the surface, but, but if the people don't spend any time together and there, there's no effort put into getting to know each other, it's all just surface without any depth kind of like walking through religious activities without pursuing a relationship with Jesus. A lot of people uh, make, it, make the excuse that they don't have time for God or they don't have time for, for going to church. You can't use that today. You had an extra hour. So uh, everybody that's, uh, you know, you, you had time today and that's good. It's good to, good to see you here. Uh, we don't ha- I don't have time for, for prayer. I don't have time for, for, for reading the Bible. I, I, you know what? I don't have time for those things to either if all it is is just a religious practice. I'm doing this because I think I have to, and uh, so if I check off all these things and go down this list, and God will like me because I do all these things, then, then I, I don't have time to do that either if all it is is religious activity. But if by doing those things, it, it's an investment of my time and my effort in getting to know Jesus more, then I'm all in, and I'm gonna do that more and more and more and more. Is your relationship with God important enough to invest your time and effort into it. I, I mean, it oozes out of this, this passage. I'd encourage you to read through this maybe every day this week just to, just to let that kind of uh, get into your pores, so to speak. Uh, I mean, uh, Paul even boils it down. He says, this one thing I do. There's only one thing in my life, one thing that, that I do. He's pursuing Christ with every fiber of his being. This one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead. Isn't it funny? He says, this one thing I do, and then he says he does a couple of things. Isn't that kind of weird? This one thing I do, I'm gonna forget, the, and then I'm gonna... Per- we know from reading scripture that Paul did a lot of things. He wasn't just spending time at church 24-7. He, he, uh, you know, he, he walked around, he traveled, he, he rode on boats and he walked uh, through towns and he preached and he taught and, and he listened and he, he, he did all sorts of things. But, but the, the, the central core of his existence, the, the thing that he valued most in, in his life was this relationship to know Jesus. And so everything that he did was pointing back toward that. This one thing I do. So what does that look like for us? What, what does it look like if, if, if we have a, the underlying core value of an intimate relationship with God? What does that look like for us? Well, no doubt it's going to involve personal spiritual habits, most important of which would be uh, daily prayer and, and, and time in, in God's word. I mean, it's fundamental. That, that, that's how we talk to God and how we hear from God. Uh, just like we, we heard from the, uh, about the Gideons today, the importance of, uh, of scripture and, and how life-changing it is. If we're ignoring that, we're ignoring the very word of God, the words that he has spoken. Uh, we, we cannot ignore the importance of spending time with God and with his word. It will transform your life 
because it will help you get to know Jesus intimately. You cannot have a thriving relationship with someone you're not spending time with in, in any aspect of life, right? You, you, you know what, what we call people that we don't, you, you know them, but you don't spend much time with them? Do you know what you call them? Acquaintances, right? <laughs> I don't want Jesus to just be an acquaintance in my life. Intimate relationship, not just an acquaintance. Oh yeah, oh Jesus, yeah, I've heard of him. I, we wave at each other when I'm pulling in after work. <laughs> so, so there are habits that we develop that we intentionally do so that we can get to know God more. Uh, other thing, I mean, there's a lot of, there's tons of habits and, and we need to tease those out and see what's helpful and sometimes different seasons of life, more things, different things are helpful. There's the, the, uh, the discipline of solitude and silence, getting away from it all and, and just focusing on God, uh, uh, giving and, and serving. Uh, some people like to journal and write things out, uh, reading and listening to, to, to other Christian teachers and leaders. Uh, I mean, your church, you need to know this, your church is invested in helping you develop those habits. And so like in just a couple of weeks, we're gonna have the uh, devotional books for Advent and we would encourage you to, to, to take those and, and there's daily readings there and it's a great way to start the habit. And then we, we also have devotional uh, books, uh, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but we have devotional books put out by our, by our denomination that are available at any time that you can, you can, that can be the, the jumping off point in your relationship with God. We're, we're gonna constantly be uh, aiming you toward these personal habits. And another thing, and I guess it's a, it's a personal habit too, but a very important part of this pursuit of Jesus is involvement, spending time with the church, the body of Christ, right? Invest in what scripture calls God's body, Jesus' body, the church. Uh, there is strengthening and growth that takes place as we learn from each other. And so make gathering with the church a priority in your life. It, it, not because you have to. Not, uh, I'm not just saying this because I want to pad the stats and uh, report that we had so and so many people in church or whatever. That, that, that's not what it is. It's because we, we do things as a church primarily so that you can develop and grow in your intimate personal relationship with God. And so if you're, not, if you're not taking advantage of those things, there's going to be a high likelihood that you're not developing that intimate personal relationship with God. If you're not here, you'll miss out on being with Jesus. You see, oh, I can be with Jesus on my own. That's true, but there's something significant. When, when, when scripture says where two or three are gathered and uh, I'm right there in the midst, there's something significant that takes place. Yes, God is everywhere. God, that's, that's true, but there's something significant that takes place when God's people get together and my relationship and where I've been with him and, and your relationship where you've been with him and, and yours and yours and we get together and we share and we grow and we bounce things up. There's something significant that happens that doesn't happen any other place except the church. And when we miss it, we miss part of what God has for us. We miss an important opportunity for growth and for closeness. You'll miss what God might want to teach you through others. But it's not just about you. I don't want you to think, well, I'm gonna go to church so I can get stuff. Sure, you're gonna get stuff. You're gonna get blessed and, and good. I just read a quote this week. I think it's Francis Chan said when he hears someone leave church and say, ah, you know, I... I'm not sure the worship was really 
really that great to really get a whole lot out of it. And, and his answer is, well, that's all right. We weren't worshiping you anyway. It's not about getting stuff, right? It's about connecting intimately with our Savior. But it's also about what does God want to say and do through you in the lives of others? Someone else, if you're not here, someone else might miss your contribution to their spiritual journey. We'll talk about that more next week when we talk about our relationships. I think one of the fundamental reasons that we exist as a church is to help you in your intimate relationship with God. You get to know him as you spend time with him and you get to know him as you spend time with his church. It's why we gather every week. You need it. You need him. We need each other. There's something unique about this relationship. I've, I've kind of uh, uh, made, uh, likened our relationship with God to our relationship with others and there's a whole lot of commonalities, but there's something unique about a relationship with God that, that doesn't or shouldn't happen in our relationship with each other. Uh, and that is that our desire for a relationship with God leads us to invest our time and effort in him and that will lead us to worship. Worship. The goal of, uh, of a marriage or, or a friendship is not that you'll worship the other person. Got that, right? Good, yeah. That is the goal in your relationship with Jesus. It's the most important relationship that you have. The most. The last part of the, the passage there that we looked at, uh, Paul compares his relationship with God to what he's seeing around him. And people were getting distracted by, by earthly things, things like food, things like pleasure, things that, that lead to shame, he talks about, uh, uh, things that, that don't end well. But he says that we're not like that. Our focus is on heaven, and we are eagerly awaiting our Savior. There's, there's a worship that is the goal of this relationship. So, so I guess I see these, these services every Sunday as a time to make sure that my attention is on my relationship with Jesus and not on earthly things. I mean, it's so easy to get distracted, right? I mean, there's stuff that happens in life and things that we have to take care of and, and those things can, can become uh, overwhelming pretty quickly. Uh, but so we gather and we sing and we pray and we remember so we won't forget. Jesus loves you. He is passionately pursuing a relationship with you. He deeply desires uh, that real deep relationship for all eternity, not just religious activity. So, so we have to ask ourselves, I challenge you to ask yourself, do I have that deep desire? Am I hungering and thirsting after God? Am I investing my time and effort in developing a relationship, an intimate relationship with God? I think... Uh, I think if you know, know our son, Nick, um, in addition to being that great friendly guy who tries to force you to drink stuff on Sunday mornings and shoves candy in your pockets, he also tends to repeat things from time. I don't know if you knew that or not, but he tends to from time to time. And actually, as a little guy, that was pretty much all of what he said was repeating something that he had heard uh, either on TV or other people talk about. And um, we had a little... Uh, agreement with his kindergarten teachers that, that we wouldn't really listen to what he talked about that they said uh, if, she, if they didn't listen to what he talked about that went on at home because it was, uh, yeah, we just had this, this thing. Um, I have to admit that at times I'd get a little annoyed because we'd have the same conversations over and over and over again. 
Oh, yes. Okay, here we are. We're talking about this again. Okay. Yeah, right. Okay, good. And, and I, just being honest, I would get a little annoyed. Lately, though, Nick, Nick has been repeating something that I hope he never stops. I mean, out of the blue, probably ten, if he does it 10 times, he does it 50 times a day. Uh, if we are together, he says, Dad, <laughs> I still love you. I don't get annoyed with that. <laughs> um, as you can imagine, I, I never get tired of hearing that. I, I don't tell Nick to stop saying that. In fact, I usually respond with, I love you too, Nick. I always will. Then we sometimes go back, well, how much? Well, I love you more than lemonberry or I love you more than cafe naz and we'll go back and forth right 15 minutes later dad I still love you and my response you know initially well good I'm glad something nothing happened in the last 15 minutes that stopped you let me you know good good no but I I love you too Nick I always will my father's heart this father's heart never gets tired of hearing that I wonder, I wonder if Sunday should be like that. I wonder if every day in your relationship with God should be like that. I, I, I wonder, I don't think I wonder, I think it's true. Father, I still love you. I don't think he'll, nev- he'll ever get tired of hearing that. Maybe it seems like we're saying the same thing over and over again. Or, or maybe we, I, I think he does get tired of not hearing that because we get busy and we head off over here and we do this over there. And then we say, oh God, yeah, uh, I'd like, really like this to happen if you could, you know, we're, oh yeah, yeah, love you God, thanks. Well, it's, I mean, I, I wonder if when we gather on a Sunday that it's not really about the songs that we sing or the sermon that we hear or the lesson that we study, or the scripture that we read. I mean, it's all of those things for sure. But I wonder if it's more, or it's supposed to be more. I, I, I think that if all those, thi- that all those things are simply ways for us to say, God, I still love you. I still love you. And they are also ways for us to hear from heaven. <laughs> oh, I love you too. And I always will. It's an intimate relationship with God. It's who we are. It's at the core of what we do. Everything that we do is going to be to help each other develop that relationship with Him.